From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. You want this pandemic to be over. I mean, restaurants, gyms, places like that. A lot of these small businesses in all of our neighborhoods are having a very, very uh, difficult time. Headwinds for job growth from this point forward suggests more stimulus would help. Certainly there's uh, some need for more unemployment benefits. The other point I'll make on this is that, you know, the S&P is not Main Street. You know, that's important for people to, to keep in mind. So we need we need more than just the, you know, the top five or top 10 companies in the S&P doing well. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here and up in Boston, Jeff Bookbinder. Jeff, markets are bouncing, and I heard you just said that your kids are going to start bouncing a little bit as well. You want to fill that in, what we mean by that? Yeah, I don't know if uh, I'm a good dad or a bad dad, but um, we just ordered a trampoline. Uh, it should be here in a few weeks, and uh, got to be honest, I'm a little bit nervous. Your, your kids are experienced trampoliners. Should I be nervous? No, no, don't be nervous. You're, they're fine. They're fine. We Gus had his birthday last week, as we talked about. And we had some kids over for a little party and they're in there bouncing and ah, it's fine. You know, they, they zip the thing, you zip the thing up and they, they can't get out, you know, put a, put a lock on it. And I guess lock your kids in the trampoline. They can't climb over. So they're, they're perfectly safe. It's where I guess when they fall out, it's where the trouble happens. But no, I think you're a good dad. I think it's a good, it's a fun, uh, fun experience. I mean, we, uh, some neighbors of ours, thank you, Danny and Heather. They'll maybe I'll let them listen to the podcast. I like the shout out. They gave us their trampoline. They got a pool and they gave us a trampoline back in, April or May and my daughter Susanna just made the cheer team she's been out there practicing a lot so no it's um you know we've had trampolines on and off but now we got a nice good one so it's uh it's really nice now Jeff the other thing we need to talk about about um let's see so we are recording this Friday so everyone won't hear it until Monday and if you look on YouTube you can kind of see what I'm getting at we have a picture of um the battle is on the way from Braveheart we have a battle this weekend, Jeff. We are, I don't even know if we can talk first off about it because we are, we have fantasy football this weekend. I don't know. Maybe we should make a bet right now for everybody. What should our bet be, Jeff? And everyone can hear next week who the loser was. Wear something goofy or what, what do you think? What'd be good? We're doing this live. I don't know. What's your take? Maybe, maybe tattoos should be involved. We'll, we'll have to oh, talk no. offline about that, figure out uh, what to do there. But uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun in the uh, LPL Research Fantasy Football League. Of course, just, yeah. just friendly wagers. Well, no, I'm not taking money. I'm talking like I gotta wear something, or maybe yeah, I don't. I don't we'll, we'll think of something. We'll do something. The loser will wear something goofy, and you'll be able to see it on YouTube next week. That's, that's what I think we'll go. We'll go that route. Um, yeah. So Jeff, let's let that's fun. Let's just kind of get into it. Um, lot to discuss. And again, we are recording this Friday morning, so we're not 100 percent sure. Obviously, in fact, we're nowhere near 100 percent sure where equity prices are going to close on Friday. But it's looking like potentially a four week losing streak unless we have a big rally here on Friday. But still, some weakness for sure. So the sell off can. Continues. We're going to talk about that. Europe is having some COVID spikes. Um, will the U.S. follow? We're going to dive in there. We just had a really strong six-month rally. What does that potentially mean? The tech bubble might be bursting. Talking about that in our weekly market commentary, Jeff will uh, cover that. Then, as we're going to do every week before we get closer to the election, we're going to talk a little bit about the election, Washington, what's going on. Um, we'll go there. So, again, I do want to share 
this slide. I totally forgot to share it on the YouTube channel last time. We hit 100 podcasts. This is our 101st podcast. Um, so thank you, everyone listening. We've got a silly little picture of an old lady celebrating her 100th birthday um, as we hit 100 podcasts last week. And again, this is our 101st. So thanks, everybody. So, Jeff, the, po- the sell-off continues. Let's talk about this. It'll be the first four-week win-, win four-week win streak. Wrong word. Four-week losing streak in all likelihood for the first time since August of last year. Um, S&P is still above its 200-day moving average. It's beneath that 50-day moving average, um, you know, 60% rally. How worried are you? I mean, is there any major worry, some signs? Is it just a normal correction? Or, or I'm sorry, is there any, you know, is this just a normal correction? Or do you see any w- more worrisome signs? We've got a lot more to go. Um, wh- wh- what's your take there? Yeah, there, there may be a little more to go. Um, you know, this recent sell-off was led by, you know, some of these high flyers, a lot of them tech and internet names that, really had gotten ahead of themselves. Uh, But that's where the fundamentals are strongest. So, you know, as we've been saying, we we think the winners are going to carry us here. This sell-off probably doesn't have too much more to go. And the, uh, you know, the fundamentals are um, strong enough for that chunk of the market. It's about 40% of the market in just tech and internet. Uh, You know, clearly the pandemic not over. Uh, we still like those areas to, to keep this going. And it still looks like an early stage bull market. You know, certainly if you read the news, you might be nervous. And we get that. A lot of uncertainty. Uh, COVID, election, U.S.-China. There's a number of reasons to be nervous. But this is still an early stage bull market by, uh, by all accounts. And that suggests uh, more gains ahead. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And we just broke out the new highs just what about a month ago, give or take. So, um, you know, initially off of the five month, it took five months to make up the uh, the losses that we had. So it is a young bull market. Most bull markets on average last about five years. The most recent one did last 10 years, although clearly there's not much average about 2020 at all. Uh, but still, it does feel young. I mean, our friends at Strategus put together, Strategus Research Partners put together a list of headlines. I just want to read these because it's fascinating. The negative headlines we have. Insiders sell stock at fastest pace since 2012. Fed pleads anew for stimulus and markets start to give up hope. Booming U.S. junk bond market sees first pullback deal since July. Dollar rallies as traders see market turmoil only getting worse. Fast money quants get schooled as markets get faster and wilder. Uh, economist Stephen Roach sees a new dollar crash warning. Uh, or issues a new dollar crash warning and sees double dip recession odds at 50%. Jim Cramer, we're feeling the wrath of sellers. It's about time. Yale has a confidence survey, a crash confidence survey. Individuals right now are more worried about a crash in the next six months than they were in the depths of the financial crisis. Um, AAII, one sentiment poll, has had more bears and bulls for an all-time record, 31 consecutive months. And I think I had one more stat that I thought was amazing on the sentiment front, but I guess I can't remember. Those were the three. Anyway, there's different ways to look at sentiment, but at all the big pullback or big um, outflows. We had the third largest weekly outflows ending last week, according to Bank of America's flow show report, the third largest outflows, $26 billion. So there's some, there are some, there's some fear coming in. And that's what we tend to see, you know, when markets potentially can bottom. I want to talk about this next slide just for a second. You know, his season, seasonality is doing no one any favors. We've talked about that for several weeks now. October historically is the worst month of the year. So we're not quite out of that seasonality. And my take too, Jeff, is I think there's a little, potentially a little more, a little more pain to come, but just, it still feels like um, this is just a normal pullback. I mean, Jeff, talk to me for a second about credit spreads, 10 year yield, maybe copper. What if some of those are telling us how this is feels different than in March, right? 
Oh, oh, definitely. Uh, I guess I'll add, you know, 10% corrections are normal at this stage uh, yeah. of a uh, rally off of a major bear market low. And we, we got to about 10% uh, just the other day here, a uh, peak to trough from the September 2nd high. I, I guess, you know, looking at some of those other indicators, I mean, interest rates are low. That's reason to, to own stocks because we certainly don't expect too much from bonds. Um, copper certainly uh, has been strong. That's a good economic signal. Uh, certainly China um, has done better than the rest of the world containing the virus. Its economy is, is growing and is already back at pre-pandemic peaks. Uh, certainly copper, very China sensitive. Uh, we call it Dr. Copper, right? It's, a, it's got a PhD in economics, right? It sends economic signals and that, that signals uh, certainly positive. Um, and then you don't, need, don't even have to look at the signals. Just the economic data alone has yes. been uh, really good, continues to surprise us. Now, the job recovery has leveled off a little bit. We'll probably uh, struggle to make too much headway over the next month or two as the stimulus has faded. Uh, but uh, generally, the data um, has been really, really strong the last uh, several months, and this recovery has surprised us. Yeah, I mean, you know, talk maybe let's talk about a little bit about the economy for just a second. Then existing home sales in August hit a 14-year high, uh, going to be up about 38% in the third quarter is what we're looking at. And new home sales just came out yesterday on Thursday, I should say, hit a, that also hit a 14-year high above 1 million. I mean, what's going on in the housing market is amazing. But Jeff, you know, you, the global data that we saw this week it, it confirms, I think, what we kind of are seeing. Manufacturing is bouncing back. It's much easier to social distance in a manufacturing automated world. But services, although the US, they hung in there tough. We saw some cracks, I guess we could say, out of Europe. So let's kind of go to the next thing we want to talk about, which is indeed Europe with um, you know the spikes in COVID. And then the slide we're showing on the YouTube channel, again, is showing that. Major spikes in new cases coming out of specifically Western Europe. And then you see the weak services, much weaker than expected services number out of Europe. Um, you know, Take this any way you want to go. But COVID, Europe, um, what, what do you think? Is, is, is Europe leading the U.S. first off in, in COVID cases? Yeah, the, this trend in Europe is very disturbing. It looks a lot like what the U.S. looked like back in July. Uh, it looked like at that time that Europe had this thing under control, and now clearly they don't. So they're putting restrictions back on. It's not you know, broad lockdowns uh, like we saw uh, back in uh, March and April, but Certainly some meaningful restrictions in the UK, in France, in Spain. Um, they got a lot of work to do to um, get this thing under control. You know, the, the situation in the US uh, is certainly better. Cases have come down quite a bit uh, over the last couple of months. Although just in the past couple of weeks, we see a little bit of a tick higher. So we got to be careful here. But the key point here for investors is that, you know, the European economy started to look like it was you know, beating expectations and really starting to make a comeback, potentially even stronger than the U.S. Well, that that thesis is clearly at risk here. Um, and, you know, this means that in our minds, the U.S. is still the place to invest among uh, global developed markets. Yeah, good points there. I mean, Friday, you know, this week in general, we've definitely seen some more weakness out of Europe. And sometimes we get bad news and stocks go up and sometimes you get bad news and they go down. But at least in Europe, we definitely have seen some somewhat disappointing economic data, trends in COVID and obviously some underperformance um, there. Now, you know, Something else I want to talk about COVID related. Johnson and Johnson announced this week their final stages of their COVID vaccine. Are uh, going to give it to sixty 
thousand people, and they are in what's called Operation Warp Speed, which are certain companies the government has picked that have very promising vaccines that are really trying to help get that, like the name would suggest, Warp Speed, get that um, approved as quick as possible with money. Moderna, Pfizer, um, AstraZeneca, and Johnson and Johnson, I believe, are the four that are picked in Operation Warp Speed. So, so some some potential positives, at least on the uh, vaccine front. But it's 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 tough to say if we're going to get everyone talking about will we get a vaccine before the election. Obviously, there's some political uh, things going on there. We might, we might, we might not. It's going to come soon, though. But again, it's, it's still some positive trends without a doubt. So, Jeff, you talked about investing, and, and we'll just kind of pull back up the chart of the S&P 500. Well, so that's that's Europe. Let's move forward. This week's weekly market commentary, which by the time people hear this podcast, they can take a look at it. We take a look at, again, the, the move in growth, the move in tech, and now this pullback um, and kind of where we see things. I mean, Jeff, what exactly do you see that comforts you, that makes you think this is a buying opportunity and tech is not just going to implode like the year 2000 where it went down? I mean, it had a big run, but why, what, what, what makes you feel a little bit better here oh the well i'm a fundamental guy so i always go to the earnings first uh and valuations uh certainly matter uh, over time you can cover the technicals ryan the um you know tech earnings were were excellent in the second quarter um tech was one of only three sectors to grow earnings uh they got a good chance to grow earnings in q3 as well which is really an impressive achievement with all that's going on yes and it if you look at forward estimates, and these are the consensus estimates for the tech sector from all the analysts, they've actually exceeded the pre-pandemic highs already. So estimates reflect for the next 12 months more earnings than tech had uh, before the pandemic hit. Another very, very impressive uh, piece of evidence to suggest that tech fundamentals are, are really, really strong. And that's just the tech sector if you add the um, internet e-commerce names that are outside of the sector uh, in communication services and consumer discretionary, you get same kind of a story. That's where uh, the growth is. And um, we don't think that's gonna change uh, anytime soon. Now, sure valuations look a little high on some names, but if you look at the tech sector overall, it's, it's barely a 20% premium to the market. In this type of environment, a 20% premium for the fundamentals you're getting, we think is very, very reasonable. In fact, that's pretty close to the long-term average if you go back uh, several decades in terms of the PE for tech relative to the S&P 500. Yeah, good points there. So I kind of want to build on something you said is, you know, the, the, the well, first off, the funda the fundamentals look good on technology and growth in general. And honestly, the fundamentals do, or the, the technicals do as well, I, I would say. Yes, we saw the, the NASDAQ 100 30% above its 200-day moving average, one of the widest it's ever been, at least the last 20 years since, the, since early 2000, late 1999. Um, and things are coming back to earth. Excuse me, I get so choked up talking about this. Um, but, you know, it, it, it still looks good. You look at something like semiconductors, okay? You mentioned uh, Dr. Copper, and I do think copper matters for the global economy, but I think semiconductors might even matter more anymore in the new world that we're in. If semiconductors, which is such an integral part of the global economy, and Taiwan, for instance, their stock market is doing well. They broke out to multi-year highs not too long ago. Obviously, this Taiwan makes a lot of semiconductors, last I checked. But just semiconductor strength in general relative to the rest of the uh, 
uh, globe. And uh, our technician on our team, Scott Brown, has been all over Simi, saying the group still looks good. He'd be buying this pullback potentially. So if Simis are good, that's a big part of tech, and that's uh, that's what we want to see. You mentioned communication names. Uh, or social media, I'm sorry, social media. Some of the social media names are looking really good. This is not a recommendation, but a stock like Twitter, which is a big part of social media, um, you know, that that their, their stock's really starting to improve. So there's some big positives there <clears throat> as we're seeing on that side. So there's always pockets of opportunity. I mean, maybe the big cap tech keeps pulling back a little bit, but other pockets of tech still look good. Um, Jeff, you know, building on this end, so there's winners and losers. There was a Yelp, um, I saw it on CNBC, but a Yelp survey, as of 831, that said there'd been 163,000 businesses that were closed. According to what Yelp found, 60% of those businesses are not going to reopen. Not surprisingly, 32,000 restaurants um, closed as of August 31st, and over 61% of those restaurants, unfortunately, according to a Yelp survey, said they're not going to open. So we've got these winners and these losers. I mean, what um we talked about the idea of a K-shaped recovery last week. But w- when you hear 60% of companies aren't going to reopen, or small businesses for that matter, what's your initial reaction? <laughs> yeah, well, the, I mean, first, um, you want this pandemic to be over, right? I mean, restaurants, gyms, places like that. You know, your neighborhood dry cleaners, people need to go back to work. A lot of these small businesses in all of our neighborhoods uh, are having a very, very uh, difficult time. So um, hopefully this thing will be over in a few months. Um, We're certainly all praying. It also points to the need for more stimulus, the, you know, softer jobless claims, headwinds for job growth from this point forward uh, suggests more stimulus would help. Certainly there's uh, some need. Uh, for more unemployment benefits, we think possibly some aid for states and certainly aid for schools uh, that are reopening. And certainly there's a lot of costs associated with that. So we might get more stimulus. It could come after the election. Uh, but, um, you know, we just got news over the last 24 hours here as we're recording this, that uh, the House Democrats are putting together another package that'll be about a trillion smaller than the last one they passed in the House. Uh, maybe that jump starts negotiations and we uh, we we get a deal. Uh, the other point I'll make on this is that you know the S and P is not Main Street, so the biggest companies that make up the S and P are much better positioned than small businesses on Main Street at this point, generally, um, and um, you know that's important for people to uh, to keep in mind. So we need we need more than just the you know the top five or top ten companies in the S and P uh, doing well. Uh, good points there. And if you look at some of the small business surveys, we've talked about this last couple of months, small businesses have a really good, you could argue a better track record than the Fed at some of these predictions about the economy. And they're quite optimistic about the future 12 months out. So um, just a really tough environment, obviously, for a lot of small businesses that are not going to reopen. But again, um, there, there there is some light at the end of the tunnel. So something else we want to talk about here, Jeff, is the six-month rally. Um, we just hit six months off the lows, obviously, from the um, March 23rd lows. And according to what I, I did some data on this, I found we gained about 20, or I'm sorry, 47% six months off the lows. That was the second best six-month rally in the history of the stock market, at least going back to World War II, I should I should point that out. Um, you know, there were some larger times during the Great Depression, but usually I use a cutoff of World War II. And the only other time we had a better six-month rally was six months off the 2003 lows, up about 50% or so. And, and I found, you know, 
I think it was eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yes, eight other times the S&P gained at least 30% in six months, the best six-month rallies ever. Near-term, one, three, six months out, you can have some pullbacks. You can have maybe even a little bit of a weak-ish um, overall performance. But when you go out 12 months, Jeff, seven out of eight times, the S&P is higher. Average return of 8.4%. That sounds a lot like your average year, which gains right around 8% or so. So I'm not saying this is a wildly bullish statistic, this huge six-month rally. But what I would say is in, if you look back at history, Mark Twain said history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. This is not bearish either. Big rallies like this usually resolve higher eventually. And after a big rally, it makes sense to have a pullback. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. Uh, so just, I think, it's important to note uh, for those people that are concerned about this huge rally, after previous huge rallies, I remember six months off to 2009 lows, right? I mean, there were people that were literally bearish for another 10 years. Um, so there's this momentum, and momentum tends to work. And like you said, there is a difference between Wall Street and Main Street. Now, Jeff, we've got a couple more minutes to go, but I want to go to a very important thing. I'm hooked. I'm officially hooked at Cobra Kai. If anyone's had a chance, I've heard about Cobra Kai. The show is on Netflix. It started, I think, on YouTube, I think. Uh, but Netflix bought the rights to it for the second season and third season. My brother was talking about it like two or three years ago when it came out. It's also, let's let's get to this. The Karate Kid. Remember the show, the, karate, the movie The Karate Kid with Ralph Macchio and, and Johnny Lawrence and all that stuff and Pat Morita, um, um, you know, Mr. Miyagi, I guess is his name. So that was, you know, grow up, watch that show is great. But the, the new show on Netflix is awesome it is very cheesy very over the top i think it understands it's so ridiculous because it's like this rivalry between the two karate senseis now is still so live anyway i i i started watching it like a week ago there are half hour episodes i can't stop watching them it's like i stay up at night and just watch one and it's so good but so dumb it's hard it's just hard to explain but you look at rotten tomatoes that's like a 94 percent rotten tomatoes so i'm i'm um again we have to be careful on this. This is not a recommendation for Netflix. I'm going to make that very clear compliance. But what I am saying is Ryan really likes Cobra Kai. It's an awesome show. Jeff, you, you, we talked a little. You didn't see Cobra Kai. You haven't watched it. Maybe you will after my glowing review. But you remember The Karate Kid, right? You watch that in 84, I assume, right? Oh, absolutely. Remember that one well. Um, but, uh, you know, haven't, haven't watched Cobra Kai yet. I guess I'll put it at the top of the list now on your recommendation. Well, be careful. <laughs> Because like I said, you'll just find yourself, because I love the half hour intervals, right? It's so easy to watch. When an hour is like, oh, an hour. But when you get a half hour, then you just start doing it. And every episode ends on like this little goofy cliffhanger. And you're like, okay, what are they going to do now? How are they going to fight now? But it's just neat to see. And last thing, I could talk all day on Cobra Kai. But they show it from Johnny Lawrence's point of view, okay? It's not anymore Ralph Macho's point of view. And you kind of see how he was brought up and why he was the way he was. And you actually start to feel for him a lot of unique ways. So it's just really neat the way that they pulled it. And I did see Will Smith. He's a producer on it. So Will Smith knows what he's doing. Anyway, so Jeff, let's move forward. Enough about that. On the last thing we want to talk about, the election. We've got maybe two or three minutes. Um, you know, we did avoid a government shutdown this week. Um, there potentially, at least on October 1st, there potentially still could be one in December. It's obviously after the election. So there's a small positive there, uh, Jeff. But like we talked fiscal a little bit, the fiscal plan. It feels like we're still a ways away. Anything else this week on the election front? And honestly, by the time I let people listen to this, we might have that first debate, which we'll talk more about. Obviously, it's potential for either candidate to say something that might get them in trouble in the first debate. So we'll, we'll, we're all watching that one closely. What have you seen this week on the election front that struck you? Yeah, well, by the time people listen to this, we'll know who the Supreme Court nominee will be. Good point. Mm -hmm. um that 
you know, most think that that has just sucked so much of the air out of the room that there's no chance of a stimulus deal um, anytime soon. Now, so we would say odds are less than 50-50 that we get it before the election, but we'll almost certainly get it at some point. And it's probably going to be uh, good-sized, certainly, uh, we would think, north of a trillion. Uh, but there's the, the news I mentioned that's new is that um, – you know, the House Republicans are going to put a deal together to propose next week. So we'll see if that uh, gets us anywhere. But as we move closer to the election, there's a little more pressure maybe on the Republicans to get something done and give the economy a, a, a jolt. And certainly um, a lot of these key Senate races are tight. And so you may see some push from some of the, um, uh, you know, campaigning senators uh, to um, to try to have something to take back uh, that they've accomplished in Washington. So we'll, we'll see. It's, it's Hard to call, but uh, certainly a chance that we get a surprise over the next uh, week or two. Well, it wouldn't be 2020 if we don't get some major surprises. Let's hope those surprises do the upside with better economy. Maybe Washington gets its act together and we, we get some partisanship. We'll, we'll crossing our fingers and toes on that. But nonetheless, um, yeah. So, Jeff, we have hit the end of the road. I want to thank you, as always, for awesome stuff there. Um, everybody, thanks for continuing to listen to us. Like I said, this is our 101st podcast, so please hit that like button, hit that follow button, however you're uh, uh, watching or listening to us today, and please give us a positive review. We really appreciate that if you do, because more people can listen to the LPL Market Signals podcast. So, everybody, um, with that, we'll be back next week, and uh, there's going to be a lot more to discuss, and it's, October is almost here, so everybody enjoy uh, the start of the fourth quarter by the time you listen to the next time you hear us. Uh, take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarded the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through Bell Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC, insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.